All right, let, let me just quickly review the end of yesterday's daf. So the Gemara had said, um, Amr of Yanai with three lines to the bottom, Daf Nundal and Rebbeis, the Mishnah had said that if a person wants to add, if the husband wants to add to the Ksuba, he could add to the Ksuba. So if, let's say, she's entitled to 200 Zuz, but he wants to give her 400 Zuz in addition, so she gets 600 Zuz. The halacha is that those 400 Zuz are not considered a Chayv. They're not considered like a standalone obligation. They're part of the Ksuba, and they have the laws of the Ksuba. All the laws that affect the ksuba affect the tosefes ksuba, the addition that he promised. Tonight, ksuba ksuba dummy. What is the nafkaminus? There are many halachas that are exclusive for the ksuba that now apply to the tosefes ksuba, to the 400 zuz as well. So let's go through each one. Nafkaminus is If a woman is meicher, if she sells or is meichel her ksuba, so not only does she forfeit the ksuba, she forfeits the additional 400 zuz as well. Moredes, that's if a woman refuses to have relations with her husband, so Bezdin will penalize her. Every day they'll give her a fine until the ksuba money is, is, is used up, or she starts acting in the way that they feel is appropriate. That they will penalize her not on, just on the 200 zuz, they will also take away the 400 zuz as well, because it's part of the ksuba. Pogemes, pogemes is that if a woman is pogem, so what it means is that she... she she goes in court and she says that she already received part of her ksuba. So once she says that, then she cannot collect the rest unless she makes an oath. So not only could she not collect the ksuba unless she makes an oath, she can't collect the tosefis ksuba unless she makes an oath as well. The next one is tovas. This is a halacha that we had yesterday's daf, and that is that if a woman, uh, if a widow asks for her ksuba payment, then she no longer gets mezainus from her, from her um, from her uh, from the heirs. So the halacha is that even if she doesn't ask for the ksuba payment, she just asks for the four hundred zuz. If she asks for the four hundred zuz, that's the equivalent of asking for the ksuba, and she forfeits her mezainus. Averis aldas. Averis aldas is a big sugya later on, and that is if a woman goes off the derech, she's no longer religious. We'll define what does it mean religious, not religious, but if a woman does things that are not religious anymore, the, she forfeits a ksuba. The, the husband divorces her without giving her a ksuba, and the halacha is, she also forfeits the, two, the 400 zuz. Next page, shevach, the halacha is, this is a sugyan b'chayris, that a woman cannot collect the ksuba, she can only collect the ksuba from the lands that the husband had when he passed away. If after he passed away, the yarshim doubled it in value somehow, she can't collect from the additional money that was made after his death, only from what was at the time of the death. Not, you know, if they took that land and then flipped it and turned it into 10 land, that she doesn't have any claim to the additional land. And now she can't claim the 400 zuz from the additional land either. Shvua, there are many sugyas, there are many situations where a woman can only collect her ksuba if she makes an oath as we'll see later on in today's daf. So the halacha is, she could only collect the 400 zuz also with an oath. I'll give you very simple. Uh, this is actually very negative. We're going to see uh, in today's daf. The ksuba was collected from land. Every time that she wanted to collect the ksuba, she had to make an oath that she, she, she was not already paid because we were always afraid, what if the husband secretly gave her cash? Before he passed away, he said, listen, this cash is for you. And now she's collected, she already had the cash because we didn't know about it, and now she's taking the land. So every time a woman collected from the ksuba, she had to make an oath. So the halacha is, to make sure that she's not getting, she's not double dipping. So the halacha is, that not only does she make an oath for the ksuba, she makes an oath for the 400 zuz as well. Okay. Uh, Shemitah, 
Shemitah doesn't cancel loans, but it doesn't cancel the Ksuba, and it doesn't cancel the Tosefis Ksuba. Kosev kol nechas of Levanos. This is an interesting suga. And that is that if a, a husband writes 99.9 of his, his possessions go to his sons, but he leaves a small parcel of land, even if that parcel of land is not enough for the Ksuba, she, doesn't, she only gets that parcel of land, and she forfeits her Ksuba. It's like a, a weird glitch in the system that she could lose out on her Ksuba. So the halach is, not only does she lose out on her Ksuba in such a situation, she loses out on the 400 Zuz in such a situation. Gavis Menakarka, right? Ksuba can only be collected from land, not from movable, so to the 400 Zuz. Menazibiris, of all the land, it's only taken from the uh, inferior land, so it's taken from the inferior land. So the ksub, the tesefik is also only collected from inferior land. We also say that a woman can collect her ksuba. There's no time limit, right? It's not like she can wake up five years later and be like, oh, can I have my ksuba now? That's entitled. So to the tesefik ksuba, there's no time limit. And the last one is ksuba's been indifferent, which we've had many times. And that is that the ksuba's been indifferent means that the ksuba only goes to her bloodline, not to the stepchildren. So to the tosefis ksuba does not go to the stepchildren, it stays within the bloodline. Okay, new Gemara. The Gemara says like this, Itmar, ksuba's been indifferent. The ksuba's been indifferent, which is again, the sons the, the sons are collecting. The, this is uh, the blood children. Her sons are collecting the ksuba, collecting the dowry and the 200 zuz. The question... Correct. And neither is he. So, Pumpati Sa'amru, Loi Tarfa Mimishabdi, Yaratun Tanan. Binas Machasi Amri Tarfa Mimishabdi, Yasfun Tanan. The child is like this. We know that a woman's ksuba, there's a lien on the husband's property, which means if the husband sold the land, she can take it from the sellers, from the purchasers. She could undo the sale in order to collect. The question is can they do that for ksuba's been indifferent? So, there was land, there was land, um, when the ksuba was written, there was a lien on all the properties, and then he sold the land. Can they go and take it? So the first opinion is in Bnei Masa Mechasia Amri. I'm sorry, Bepumbadisa and Pumbadisa. They said they cannot. I the ksuba. There's a lien on the property. There's no lien on the property for ksuba has been a different. Why? Because the lashon of the Mishnah in their version of the Mishnah is Yartan Tanan. It was describing ksuba has been a different as an inheritance. And inheritance, there's no lien on properties for inheritance. So it's a ksuba, which there is a lien, but it was also described as an inheritance, and it's treated as an inheritance, and therefore there's no lien on the property. We don't find that a, a, an heir can just undo some of the sales and say, like, oh, there's a lien. There's no lien on a property for inheritance. You get what was there at the time of the death, and you don't undo sales. So to ksuba's menedichon is treated as an inheritance, and therefore we do not undo sales in order to... A person dies. He writes a ksuba's benedichron. He writes a ksuba, which includes ksuba's benedichron. He's got three lands. There's a lien on all the properties because it's a ksuba. He sells all of them. Then he dies. Can the sons then go to those sell- those buyers and say, hey, we're undoing it. There was a lien on the property. Uh, give me the land. Correct, because it's treated as inheritance, and inheritance is, you get what was at the time of death, we don't undo it. But in B'nei Masa Mechasia, they had the Lashen and the Mishnah's Yasuntanan, they get to take, like a Balchayv, like any other Balchayv, there's a, there's a lien. So there's a Machlegas of whether there's a lien on the property regarding Ksuvah's been indifferent. The Hilchasah Loitav Meshavti, Yaratantan, and the Halach is, they cannot undo the sale because it's treated as an inheritance. Okay. Sugi number two. Metaltal of Isna Beinayu. I mentioned before that whenever a woman collected the ksuba from land, she had to make an oath that she was not given cash privately. What if it's the opposite? What if the husband told people, this cash is for my wife, I want her to give her cash? 
So the question, the halach is, she could collect the cash without swearing. What are you worried about? The whole reason why you swear is you're worried when you're collecting from land that there was secretly some cash. There is cash. You see the cash, but you know about it, so there's nothing to worry about. You understand? The, the whole concern, the reason why you make an oath is because you're worried that the husband allocated funds for her privately. He did in this case, and he told people about it, and you know about it. We're not concerned that he allocated double. So if she's coming to collect those private funds, not land, she's coming to collect those private funds, she doesn't have to swear, because the whole reason why you swear is because we're afraid that the husband allocated funds for her. There's no concern, because over here, there is funds that was allocated. Meaning she collects from land, right? Ksuba collects from land. So that means every time she came to collect from land, she had to make an oath that the husband didn't privately put money aside for her, have a bank account for her, for the Ksuba, and she's not double dipping, right? She collects from land only, yeah? So if she's coming to collect land, she has to swear that she wasn't also given cash. This scenario was where the husband allocated cash for her, told witnesses that there's cash, so that she could just take it. She doesn't have to swear that she wasn't... There's no reason to swear. The whole concern is that the cash, she's given cash. Oh, it's Pasha. So then the child is like this. Oh, here was the case. The husband allocated cash for her when he was alive, when she was alive, witnesses knew about it, everything. And then they lost the cash. So now she's coming to collect land. So now the Shaila is, do we think that he allocated a second bundle of cash for her when they lost the first? Or do we say, no, listen, he was like, this is clearly not a good idea, just get land. That's the Shaila. Does she have to make an oath? If there was a bundle of cash, but then it got lost, now she's collecting land, does she have to swear? Do we say that the whole reason why swearing is because we're afraid about cash, he's not going to do it because he tried that once, it didn't work. Or do you say, no, maybe after he lost the first bundle, he allocated a second bundle for her, she took that and she's double dipping. The first bundle is for sure gone. The question is, do we think that he made a second bundle without telling anybody? If they lost the bundle, it's whether she's allowed to collect it without a shvua. She collects without making an oath. Okay. Halacha number three. Normally when a woman collects a ksuba, she has to make an oath because we're afraid that... When instead of collecting land, he was also gave her cash. What if while he was alive, he specifically allocated a plot of land, and he even made four boundaries, meaning it was very clear to everyone, this land is for her ksuba. So then the halacha is, <clears throat> If he allocated a plot of land and made it so clear that you knew all four boundaries, so there's no confusion, there's no question, she could collect that without, without, um, without making it off, because... It's clear that he wasn't allocating cash. He allocated that land. But, Bechad Mitzara, what if he just allocated land for her, but he only gave one boundary? So it was unclear. The Shaila is, do we say, he allocated the land, so there was no concern of doing a bundle, or do we say that privately she said to him, listen, you, you didn't make it clear. This is going to be hard for me. I, I, Bezin's going to give me a hard time. Just give me some cash. So are we concerned that after allocating the land, because he didn't do a good job um, delineating where it was, she convinced him to give him a bundle. So if she's taking that land, she has to swear. That's the Shiloh. So the Gemara says, The she could collect without making enough. Because we're afraid that she got the cash privately. I understand. So there's no... Well, if she, we don't want her to get double. Right? New halacha. This is not really related to ksubas, this is just in general. Halacha is very simple, and that is, if I tell you, normally when I tell 
it's, it's unclear, but it's a shy love how this applies to other sugars, but it's just very simple. If I tell you, hey, um, do me a favor, I- I'm tired, it's just, uh, sell the land for me, go, go, or give this pot of land to somebody, right? And I say, um, write a star, sign it, and, and sell the land uh, to, to that guy. So the halacha is, now I tell you that on Monday, you're busy, comes two days later, you're doing it. Do you have to like re-ask me to make sure that I'm still on board, that I didn't change my mind? So Allah is, if if I made a Kenyan with you, so I gave you like a Kenyan Khalipin, uh, uh, so I gave you the rights to do this, you don't have to ask me. Once I tell you to do it and I made a Kenyan, go ahead. I don't care how long it takes, you don't have to ask me again, you're still interested. But, let's say I didn't make a Kenyan. So I just told you to write it and to sell it. But I didn't make a Kenyan. Two days later, a week later, whatever it is, however long it takes, before you actually do the sale, do you have to ask me again? You sure you're interested? Making sure. It's a shayla, the Rishonim ask. In general, you don't have to do that. In general, when you send a shliach, you don't have to like constantly ask, like, you sure? You sure? But over here, it could be different when it comes to selling of land. But that's the shayla. If you didn't make a Kenyan... Do they have to re-ask the seller just to confirm you, you're still on board? So, Pumpadisa Amri Loit Sarachim Luchibe. Pumpadisa says, You don't have to ask. Benim Asmachasi says, You do. And that's the halacha. You have to ask. Okay. Next, Sugya. We said in the Mishnah, if you want to add money to the Ksuba, you have the rights to do that. And then the question. Uh, go back on the uh, woman making a shlua. Why is the onus on her and not? Whenever you're taking money, you always have to have the burden of proof is on you. Even though over here but there's a star. She has it already, and now she's having to do an additional one because maybe on the kashas of something. If they think that she's up to no good. Well, I tell you like this it is, I believe, it's a good question, and I do believe I'm going to confirm this with Rabbi. Arts girl who knows more than I do. I believe this is a rabbinic enactment. I believe this is a rabbinic enactment. Um, uh, yeah, this is a this is a mission daf pay Zion Amit Aleph. I believe this is a rabbinic enactment. So Chazal were afraid. I don't know if it's a good child, but I I, I I I think it's only rabbinic. I think it's only rabbinic. But again, it's a sugya and daf pay Zion. Um, yeah, it's a good child though. Um, not sure. So, the next sugi is like this. It's very simple, and that is, we had in the Mishnah a tanoim. You write additional. Okay, if, if after after kedushin the husband dies, he has to pay the two hundred zuz. If the uh, or, or or divorces her, she gets the two hundred zuz. She doesn't get the additional, you know, kvura and all the additional mezainus and all those additional uh, goodies that are found in the ksuba. The 200 zuz she gets. The question is, when you write, I'm adding 400 zuz to the 200 zuz, right? That was the case of the mission. I want to add 400 zuz. So now she gets two, 600 zuz. When does she get the 400 zuz? So the Tanakama said, she gets everything after Kedushin. If after Kedushin he dies or divorces her, 600 zuz. Rav Elizabeth Nazari says, no, the guy only wrote the additional 400 zuz with the intention that they're eventually going to get married. If they die before marriage, not. So that's a machlekes. The Gemara understands that the machlekes of Lozim and Azai and the Rabbanon is whether we go with Umdana, meaning he never stipulated in the Ksuba when she gets it. Rav Lozim and Azariah holds that we go into someone's mindset and we sort of try to figure out what they were thinking. 
That's the machlaikas. The machlaikas is basically whether we do that. Do we go, it's called umdana. Do we just go into someone's mindset and say, he didn't clarify, but I'm sure this is what he meant. That's the machlaikas. Olaz ben says, I'm sure this is what he meant. He goes with umdana. The rabbanon say, we don't go with umdana. We go with what's written. What's written in the ksuba is you have to pay. That's it. So that's the machlekes. Also, that's the Gemara's assumption. So it says the Gemara. It's my rapper of Nasan. Is the machlekes how we paskin? We have machlekes whether we pass like Rav Benazaria, Rav and Rav Nasan. One said we do. One says we do not. Now the Gemara says if I want to figure out who holds what, Tastim the Rav Nasan with the Omer Halacha Rav Benazaria, the Shamin Lo Rav Lazar the Azar Basa Umdina. I can prove that Rav Lezben is the one, that Rav Nosson holds like Rav Lezben Why? Because again, Rav Lezben holds, you go with Umdana, you go into someone's mindset. The Rabbanon don't hold that way. Rav Nosson, in a, a completely separate Shiloh, also goes into the mindset of a person. So you see that Rav Nosson follows Rav Lezben So if one of them said that, Allah follows Rav it's probably Rabbi Nosson. What is Rabbi Nelson talking about? Again, Rabbi Elizabeth Azariah goes into the mindset of a person over here. He wrote in the Ksuba 400 Zos, and we go into his mindset. He probably only did that on condition that they go down to the Chuppah. What is Rabbi Nelson? The Omer of Nelson, Halachaka Roshim and Shazuri Bimasukin. Okay, so normally it's like this. If you, if you tell witnesses, um, write a get from my wife, they do not have the right to deliver it. They can only write it. They don't have the right to deliver it. Except the Mishnah says that if you're traveling, if you're about to get on a boat and it's dangerous and you say to them, write a gift for my wife, we, 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 we assume you meant to, to deliver it as well. And you just didn't verbalize it because you were so stressed. Rav Shimon Chizuri adds, if someone is ill, let's say someone doesn't have kids and he's on his deathbed. So he would write a gift and he says to the witnesses, write a gift for my wife. Now why would he do that? Because he doesn't want her to do yibum. So if he says, write a gift for my wife, even if he didn't clarify and didn't say deliver it, they're supposed to deliver it. Why? Umdana. We go into his mindset. Well, why, why else is he telling them to write? He's dying anyway. It must be right means to deliver. That's what Rabbi Nassim says. Rabbi Nassim says, we pass Rabbi Shazuri. So that's where you see that Rabbi Nassim goes into the mindset of a person. Now let's just finish up Rabbi Nassim's statement. Go to the next page. Ubetrumus meiser shel demai. This is just a side point. This is that... I'll just say very quickly. This is not related to this point. It's just, it's the end of his statement. Chazal made it that in Amaretz, if a person is not necessarily so so careful in the laws of Trumas and Mises, we don't assume that they separated Trumas and Mises properly. Which means that when they bring in fruit, even if they claim that whatever, even if you, you know, you can't assume that they separate Trumas and Mises, you have to redo it. So you separate Truma. Then you separate Meiser, and then from Meiser you separate a tenth for Truma. So it's Truma, Meiser, Truma's Meiser. So you have that p- piles, right? So you, you, the Amaretz gives you fruit, you separate Truma, Meiser, Truma's Meiser. Then all of a sudden the Truma's Meiser that you just separated out of doubt falls into your mixture. And you're like, oh God, now you can't eat the mixture because it has, right? I as a non kayan can't eat the mixture because it's got a shtickle Truma in it. If Shimon Shazuri holds, that because this is a mixture and you separated it out of a chumrah, you're allowed to go to the Amaretz and say, hey, do me a favor, can you tell me if you separated chumrah this time? Meaning, in general, we don't trust an Amaretz and we're machmer. But over here, you did separate, but now it fell in and it's ruining your pile. You're allowed to ask the Amaretz, did you separate chumrah and Isis this time? Because if he did, then what you did was completely unnecessary. So that's Roshim Shazuri holds you could be Saimich in such a scenario where you separated it out of Chumrah and then it fell into your mixture and it's Asr in your mixture, you're allowed to ask the Amaretz because really, Meikar Adin, we assume they did. 
this is a chumrah, so we're not going to allow the chumrah to ruin your food. But what do you see from here? You see that Rabbi Nassim follows the Shemesh which means Rabbi Nassim follows the Umdana, we go into someone's mindset, which means that Rabbi Nassim follows Rabbi Elizabeth Azariah. And the other one who said the Halacha does not follow Rabbi Elizabeth Azariah must have been Rav. Here's the problem. The problem is Rav also holds you go into people's mindset. So, right, you're saying that Machlekes of Elizabeth Azariah and the Rabbana is whether you go into people's mindset or not. One says the Halacha follows, one says it doesn't. So he said, okay, well, who says what? So Rabbi Nassim probably follows Rabbi Elizabeth Azariah because Rabbi Nassim is the one who said, Go into mindset. We just prove with the the get. Right? Write the get. That means deliver it. The problem is Rab, Rab also holds you go into people's mindset. It, umdina. What's the case? Um, itmar. The halach is like this, that if someone on his deathbed, um, there are certain leniencies that they made for the will of someone on their deathbed. Um, like, give an example. Normally, when you're going to sell land, right, you have to make a kinyan. You don't need a kinyan by a deathbed. Chazal made it because they were afraid that if, if, if someone on his deathbed has to make a kinyan, the stress might, might, might aggravate his condition. So Chazal, it's called manashchiv mira, which means that if you write a will on the deathbed, and there's a lashon, there was a lashon that said, I on my deathbed am writing this, like that, 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 there was a lashon. You don't have to make a kinyan. And there, there are other halachas. You also can transfer debt without a kinyan, which is not something that you, you, you normally cannot do that. To transfer a debt, you have to write up a star. You, you can't just say like, hey, uh, this, I'm, I'm owed $10,000 you could collect. That doesn't work, but it works on a deathbed. There are certain leniencies of it. The Shiloh is like this. A guy on his deathbed wrote a star for a deathbed and made a kinyan. So the question is, what, what's he doing? What, what's his intention? Is he... It could be he's, he's making his transaction more fortified, like it has the power of both. <laughs> or he could be he doesn't know what he's doing, and it could be it actually cancels both. So we'll see. So the, the case is like this. You have a, so you have a person on his deathbed, and he, he writes a lotion that's on his deathbed. So it's on his deathbed, but he also made a kinyan. So the question is, what's his deal? So Rav says, we try to get into his mindset. And what does Rav say? So Rav, he's putting his box on two horses, meaning he's trying to strengthen his kinyan. He's covering all bases. That's Rav going to his mindset. Shmuel also, I think, goes into his mindset, but he says, Shmuel's actually like, I actually, I don't know what he's thinking. I can't get into his mindset. I don't know. It could be he's trying to cover his bases, or it could be he doesn't know what he's doing and he's actually making it a lot worse. I'll explain to you why. This could actually be a lot worse. It could be it cancels out both. Um, it's one of those where it's like, if you don't know what you're doing, sometimes it, it could make it better. Or sometimes it could be like, well, okay, you have no idea what you're doing, so this could be a lot worse. So let's speak it out. Rav says he's covering all his bases, meaning that this Kenyan is now powered, this, let's say, transaction is now powered by both the power of a will of a deathbed and a Kenyan. How so? It's like both a Kenyan of a healthy man and the Kenyan of a deathbed in, in both regards to strengthen the purchaser or the receiver. Okay, so if the guy gets better, he could potentially undo it. That's one of the leniencies that happens, right? If someone's ill and he writes, I'm about to die and therefore you get this land and then he gets better, he potentially can undo the sale. You, don't, you can't do that if you're healthy, right? If you tr- make a transaction, right, there's no backsies. You know, like if you sell someone the land and you make a Kenyan, you can't be like, eh, I don't want to do that. 
So he made the Kenyan to strengthen the receiver that he could never undo it. Because it's not it's not Manashimira which could be undone. This is stronger so that it can't be undone. But but he also has Manashimira because that has a strength that, that a regular Kenyan doesn't, and that is you could transfer debt without a star. If I want to transfer debt, I can't just make a Kenyan. Like Khalipin, that whole thing by a wedding that they pick up Khalipin, that only works because there's a star. If there's no star, and I just tell you to pick up my pen, and with my pen, you, you could transfer land that way. Like, I could I could sell land with you, and I could be like, hey, by you picking up my pen, you, you're collecting my land. I can't transfer debt that way. So, um, I was talking to you yesterday, like Jay Barsky, that's what he does for a living. He, he buys and sells debt. You can't transfer debt with a, with a Kenyan alone. You need a star. But on a deathbed, you could. So he made it, so Rav says, we get into his mindset, and he was super, he strengthened it by both. It's considered a healthy man's Kenyan that you can't undo it, and it's considered a, death, a deathbed Kenyan that you could transfer anything without a star and without, without, yeah, just, it just goes. So therefore, he was doing both. We get into his mindset that he was really doing both. Shmuel, on the opposite, says, I don't know what he's thinking. Maybe he's that, or maybe he doesn't know what he's doing, and he's actually canceling both. How so? Shmuel Omar, Here's the deal. When does the deathbed kinyanim kick in? After he dies. It's a will. When does a kinyan kick in? Exactly. So Shmuel's like, it could be he doesn't know what he's doing, and he's doing two things that are contradictory. That he's doing a Kenyan, which means I want it to take place now. But he's doing a deathbed, which means I want it to take place after death. And because we don't know, they both are canceled. Because <laughs> you don't know which one is it. He's doing a deathbed Kenyan, which is, which is a contradiction in a certain element. Because a Kenyan is Chal Miyad. The deathbed is Chal after death. And you can't do a Kenyan now for after death. So because we don't know, Shmuel's like, canceled. So Rav gets into his mindset. So back to the original question. We have a problem now, and this will end with this. The kasha is, Rav Elizabeth and and the Rabbanon are seemingly arguing, right, whether you get the ksuba after Kedushin or not, is that the Rabbanon feel, we don't go into your mindset. You wrote the money, you give the money after Kedushin. Rav Elizabeth and is like, no, 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 you got to go into his mindset. His mindset is after Nesuin. So the machlekes between Rav Elizabeth and Rav and the Rabbanon is whether you go into his mindset. The problem is, Rabbi Nassim holds in Shas, you go into the person's mindset. Rav holds in Shas, you go into the person's mindset. So how are they saying, how does one not pass Rav Elizabeth and They both agree with him conceptually. And the Gemara ends with this, The answer is, you're misunderstanding. Both Rabbi Loza ben Azariah and the Rabbanan both go into the person's mindset. That's not the machloikas. The machloikas is, what is this guy's mindset? Meaning, Rabbi Loza ben Azariah says, if he dies after Kedushin, she doesn't get the additional $400 because he wrote the $400, we get into his mindset, he wrote the $400 on condition that they walk down the chuppah. Okay, great. What did the Rabbanan hold? So we thought the Rabbanan hold, you don't go into mindset. You wrote it, you give it. The answer is no. The Rabbanan are also going into his mindset, but they say, why is he writing 400 zuz? Because he wants to make the engagement process a lot more pleasant. Right? He wants to sweeten, he wants to start off strong, start off right. So, that accomplished it. Meaning the machlaikis is, when you write in the ksuba, at the kedushin that you're adding 400 zuz, is your mindset 
only after to give it after Nisun? Or is your mindset, listen, I'm I'm gener- I'm feeling generous, I want to start off strong. And at that time you wanted to give it, and it worked. It did create a very nice relationship for a few weeks. They got divorced a couple months later, but but you had the amount. I mean, so they're both getting into the mindset. So both Rav and Rav Nassim both agree throughout Chaz, you go into the mindset. Both Rav Elizabeth and the Rabbana also hold you go into the mindset. The Machlekes is what is his mindset? That's the Machlekes. All right, we'll stop here. Right. My pleasure.